Did I get it? Oh, no. Um, actually, what we really need to do is, uh, is thank Neil. Um, I, uh, I actually, I gave Neil a, <laughs> like a fourth draft of this sermon, and he, uh, he looked it over and he really focused my thoughts. He, he showed me where, where my strengths were and, and where my weaknesses were, and I, I hope that if, if this hits you today, if this meets you uh, where you are in any way, uh, thank Neil. Do it. Um, I know he'll appreciate it. Um, what we're going to talk about today is glory. Uh, and uh, in order to do that, I would like us to think about, all of you think about the most, the person in the history of the world who has the most glory, the all-time greatest, most, the, 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 the most honor, the most glory. And I want you to, to set that in your minds. I'm going to read your minds right now. I'm going to read your minds. You're going to send it to me, so get, get ready for the next slide, Mom. Yeah. So I need you guys to, to, to go ahead, get, get, get your, get your, your send, send it to me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read your mind. Okay, I got it. All right, and I'm going to put it up there. I'm going to put it there. Yes, Tiger Woods, the greatest human being who has ever lived, who has achieved more glory than any... <laughs> Actually, I'm going to go into a stand-up comedy right after this. That's good. Um, why uh, I think I think but I think it is true that we that we look at sports and, and we and we sense that there's there's glory there we get excited about the competition and, uh, and I think that's right that's 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 been true throughout human history and I think right now if there's anyone uh, that we think about who's who's really truly mastered you know a sport and really does have glory I think maybe two would be Tiger Woods and Lance Armstrong they're I mean they're right up there. Um, and so just to get us started thinking about glory, I would like us to think, what would it, what would it take? What would, we, what would we need to do to get in on a tiger kind of glory? What do we have to do? So let's think about that. I, I have a couple, a couple ideas. Maybe number one, you would have to win the Masters uh, before, before you turn 21. Um, so I'm out. <laughs> Actually, do we even have, do we have anyone here who's 21 or younger? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yes, yes, you, sir, still have a chance. Well done. Hang in there. Uh, actually, don't even bother because there's no way you're going to accomplish it. Tiger, when he, was, when he was 11 months old, his father cut off a, uh, a golf club and put it in his hands and practiced his swing. So really, if there's anyone in our congregation who has a chance to get in on Tiger kind of glory, it would probably be the, the rash of new babies we've had. <laughs> the uh, DJ or Zachary or Jacob and now Lucy, right? Um, Braden, How, am I forgetting anyone? Go ahead and just ah, Bennett, yes, Bennett, <laughs> right, very good. So, uh, so yeah, Neil, I want you to uh, want you to get that club going. Um, okay, so I, I think we can agree that if we we're going to try and get in on a Tiger kind of glory, it would be difficult. And uh, let's just we'll come back to Tiger, but but uh, uh, first, I just want to let you know what we're going to do today. I'm going to try and convince you that. God's mission for you as a Christian and for this community as Coast Bible Church is that we get, our mission is glory. We're going to glory. And uh, maybe that's an easy sell. Maybe you already believe that. If, if that's the case, then I want to try and get it to you in a new way. Maybe you haven't thought about it before. Um, if it's a hard sell, then here we go. Uh, after, after I do that, uh, then I want to reflect a little bit on maybe what is glory? What is the glory that we're aimed at? And uh, how can we get that right here? Like April fifteenth, tax day. I know my mom's a CPA. Um, April fifteenth, two thousand seven. We're going out the doors. How are we, as this community, going to get in 
on Jesus' sword of glory. So that's where we're going. Um, and let's, let's read our text. Let's read our text. It's uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14. It says, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be honest with you, <laughs> when I first read this, uh, in class actually, just, just browse right over it, just, you know, cause, and maybe it's because it has a lot of those words where if you've grown up in the church, you're maybe used to these words, and you just hear them, they go in and out. If you haven't grown up in the church, maybe uh, you hear these words, and they probably mean something to you, but nothing cohesive, nothing, nothing clear. Some of these words like uh, sanctification, spirit, belief, truth, gospel, Jesus. No, not Jesus. Um, and I, I think there's a reason for that. I think there's a reason that we can kind of just go right over this. And that is because we don't think like Paul thought. We don't think like first century Jews thought. The way that Paul and other first century Jews thought is they thought about the world in like terms of this huge cosmic story. That the way that God dealt with people, dealt with us, was in terms of this massive narrative that, that the people of, of, of earth were involved in, they were a part of. Um, and so I want to, I think, if, if, if maybe if we had that story in our heads, if we were thinking like Paul thought, maybe this would jump out at us a little more. So I want to try that. I want to try, try to, 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 to give you that story and let you see, and, let, and, and see whether or not it, it makes this passage come a little bit more alive. So the cosmic story, as Paul understood it. Uh, when they thought about the cosmic story, they, they, they thought about it in a, in a very specific way. They thought that it was totally encapsulated in the exodus from Egypt. They thought you can understand the whole universe, you can understand where we are and where we're going if you just understand what's going on when God saves his people out of, out of slavery in Egypt. This is weird. This is, we don't think like this. But that's how they thought. And so I want to take you through it. In the story of Exodus, what's the first thing that happens? God chose. God chooses a special people. Um, when, uh, when, when at the very beginning of the story, uh, God says, he says, I have heard the cry of my people. That's, that's interesting, because probably at the time of the Exodus, there were a lot of people in the world who were suffering. There were probably a lot of people who were afflicted and oppressed. But God listened and heard the children of Israel, because they were his people, because he loved them. They were his special people. So God chooses. He chose them, right? And because he chose them, because he loved them, when they cried out to him, he was compelled to do something for them. He was compelled to act for them, right? Uh, that's the second thing, God acts. And he always acts uh, in, 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 the, in the Bible by calling people and then rescuing them. Sometimes one or the other, sometimes both, but always call and rescue. So there's this really... And, and in Exodus, we know the story, right? Plagues, right? Like... There's blood in the river, there's frogs, hail, uh, darkness, help me out, locusts, locusts yeah, boils, flies, yeah, it's pretty bad, it's, it's terrible. And uh, at, the, at the end, of course, um, in, in the real coup d'etat, uh, God slays the firstborn of, of Egypt and, and their livestock, right? Well, there's this, this, this poignant moment 
um, in Exodus 14, the very end. The children of Israel, they've been pressed to the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are coming to them, and you remember Charlton Heston pulls his arms, and, and the Israelites cross, cross through on, on dry land, and then Charlton Heston lowers his arms, and God allows the, the waters to crash back in and, and destroys the entire Egyptian army. Remember that? There's this moment where the children of Israel are standing there, and they're standing at the edge of the Red Sea, and they're watching as the bodies of the Egyptian uh, soldiers are washing up on the, sto- the shore, and the bodies are stacking up. And there's this, this moment where the children of Israel, they, they look at that and they go, wow. My, my roommate goes, whoa. Whenever, whenever it's kind of like a Neo in the Matrix, whoa. That's a little bit what's going on right here. The children of Israel, they look and they see and they, and they whoa. And it says uh, in, in Exodus 14, it says, they feared the Lord and they believed in him and in his, his, his servant Moses. They believed the Lord and in his servant Moses. So the people respond. God chose them. God acted for them. The people respond. But that's not the end. Probably for our purposes, the most important part of the story is right here. After God, after God chooses them, after he acts for them, after they believe him, after they believe in him, God gives them a mission. And I want us to look at, uh, I want us to look at the mission. It's, it's, uh, like Exodus 19, 4 through 6. God speaking to the to children of Israel at Sinai. He says, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The people respond. God sees that they trust him. And so he says, all right, next part, I'm going to give you your mission. I'm going to send you on your way. Now, that's actually a pretty theological statement, what it means to be a kingdom of priests, but for our purposes, it doesn't matter. What matters is that when Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, he was seeing the world like this. God chooses, God acts, calling or delivering, people respond, God gives them a mission. So let's look back at uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13, 14 again. Let's look at, that, look at that passage one more time and see if it jumps out at you. See if you see, if you see that, that story. Right there in, in, in the midst of, of, of Paul's writing. <laughs> thanks. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief, trust in the truth. To this he called you. You notice that two and three are a little bit switched there. Paul, out of line. To this he called you through our gospel. Why? What's the mission? What's the point? Why is God doing all of this? So that you may obtain, that you may grasp, get in on, grab hold of a Jesus kind of glory. That's what it's about. Get in on a Jesus kind of glory. Well, the natural question is, what is that? Thank you for asking. I will tell you. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. (laughs) Let's go back to Tiger, right? Tiger Woods. Um, what, what, what would you say uh, Tiger entered his glory? You want to think about that? When, when, when is it that Tiger gets his glory? I would say to you that it, it was, it's at the Masters, right? Uh, he's 21 years old. He's had three days of grueling golf. Um, <laughs> and he's, he's blowing away the competition, doing what no one else has ever been able to do, right? He wins by like 12 strokes or something crazy like that. And then at the end 
of the tournament, what does he get? He gets the green jacket, right? I, I submit to you that this is Tiger entering his glory right there. Um, and actually, that, that, that's actually kind of helpful. Because when we think about what, what is Jesus' glory, we can look at it in exactly the same way. Jesus had a mission. Jesus did not play golf, as far as I know. I believe that was invented by the Scots. Could be wrong. Jesus did not play golf. Instead, his sport, the thing that Jesus was about, was doing the will of God. That was Jesus' golf game. Tiger Woods had three grueling days in Augusta. Jesus had three grueling years in ministry. The ministry of healing and reconciliation. The ministry of including the outcast. And at the end of Jesus' ministry, what happened? Where was he? When he finished the, when he finished the race and he completed his task and done everything the Father had asked him, and where was he? In the grave. On the cross. Dead. Murdered. So when did Jesus enter his glory? When did he put on his jacket? I suggest to you that it is when he was taken up from the grave, raised, raised to life again, and set at the right hand of the Father, King and Lord over all the world. That's Jesus' glory. Now, according to what I've just been saying, we're supposed to head on a mission to glory, right? But the glory that, that I just described, Jesus, a Jesus kind of glory, isn't that unavailable to us? I mean, we, we'll think again about Tiger, right? None of us can do what Tiger did. How could we get in on a Tiger kind of glory? We can't. And I think the same thing applies with, with Jesus when you think about it. And Paul, Paul he, he struggles with this a little bit. And this is what I want to say to you. I want to say right here is the the part of the sermon where if I had ten minutes, I would tell you about grace. And I would tell you that what we cannot do, God accredits to us in Jesus. But I hope that you know that already. So I'm going to skip over it. Instead, I'm going to tell you how Paul lived. I'm going to tell you what Paul did to get in on a Jesus kind of glory. If you look at uh, 2 Corinthians 4, I think is probably the best place where Paul just kind of describes what it's like to to, to get in on a Jesus kind of glory. And what he does is really simple. It's what we would do. It, let me put it this way. Suppose you started living like Tiger Woods lives. Suppose you started, you know, working out, and, I mean, this would never be me. My roommate's always trying to get me to work out, but I just will have none of it. Uh, suppose you started working out. You're on the golf course every day. You're taking your swings. Your priorities in life would change. The things that you value would would change. I can't tell you what your life would look like if you started living a Tiger Woods kind of life. I can't tell you what would happen to you. But I can tell you this. You'd get really good at golf. Your golf game would really pick up. You might, everything else might fall apart, but your golf game would get on, on task. And this is exactly the way Paul looks at living a Jesus, getting to the, the mission, achieving a Jesus kind of glory. He's like, look, I can't be who Jesus is, I know that, but what would happen if I just started living a Jesus kind of life? If I just started imitating him, then maybe I would get better at the whole doing the will of God thing. And that's Paul's strategy. So if you're waiting for the, the, the seminarian to give you the... Uh, the theological nugget of the day to, to blow you away. It's not going to happen. 
I'm telling you something you know. And that is, if you want to get in on Jesus' kind of glory, you live a Jesus' kind of life. You imitate the Master. That's it. It's simple. So the question, of course, for us right now, April 15, 2007, Coast Bible Church, what does that mean? What can we do right now? How can we get going? And this is the part of the sermon where, if we were in maybe a Pentecostal-type uh, church, you would get a prophetic word, right? The preacher would give you prophecy. I'm not going to do that. Uh, instead, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going I'm to say, I've been thinking a lot about this. I really have. I've been thinking about this church. I've been praying about this church. And I've been thinking about what the Spirit of God, how the Spirit of God is moving in this church. And I want to share with you what I've thought about, and I'm hoping, for most of you, you're going to be like, he's, he's giving words to what I've been feeling. So here it goes. A year ago, we had um, a, a small fundraiser at my home for Camp Allendale. Um, and what shocked me was that in two hours, we raised like $800 uh, for the, the kids in Orange County whose, whose own parents have, uh, have mistreated them, have abused them sexually and physically, emotionally and psychologically. Because the people at this church care about those kids. The people at this church care about the community. And then uh, a couple months ago, uh, Lou led a, a trip down to, to Mexico, and it was amazing. I mean, they were going to put me on uh, the carpentry team, but then they found out that I have no carpentry skills. So they gave me a shovel and threw me into a ditch. <laughs> that was great. I actually had a really great time. It was fun. It was amazing. Um, I, we, we, we fellowshiped with, uh, it was it Lamb of God Church? Lamb's Fellowship. Uh, we, we, we met some people from Lamb's Fellowship, and we were just serving together and getting to know each other, and, and what was the purpose? To give something good to the orphans in Mexico. You might be noticing a theme here. Um, then we, we have an opportunity coming up. I've heard whispers, whispers around the congregation about um, interfaith dialogue with, uh, with Muslims, sending people from our church to a Muslim mosque and, and, and speaking to them, sharing Jesus with them, letting them know this is, this is how we worship here. We want to hear what, what you do. This is what Christianity and Jesus is about. That's pretty exciting. We have an opportunity maybe coming up uh, to uh, go down to South America and help our medical missionaries, the Greenwoods. I got to tell you guys, I really think that right now the Spirit of God, what the Spirit of God is saying to the Coast Bible Church, I want you to imitate Jesus in a specific way. I want you at Coast Bible Church to start getting out to the community and to the world, healing broken, broken lives, meeting people where they're at, and taking care of them just the way Jesus did. That's what I really believe. I really believe that the Spirit of God is moving in that way in this church right now. And frankly, that gets me really excited. I get pumped up about this. Uh... It gets me excited about the faith. It gets me excited about God, about the message of Jesus, that there is healing and there is hope for this world that is dark. But now I'm going to stop. Because I think there's probably, there's probably some people here, maybe you're like, yes, let's go. I hope, I hope, you're, I hope you're, you're feeling that. But I think there's also probably some people here, because, and, and I know you're here because I've been you before. I've, uh, I've been you in the pews looking up at the preacher guy. And uh, he's, he's on a roll. He's doing his thing. He's really excited. Yeah. And really what I've been thinking is like, Tom, I really do want to share Jesus with the Muslims. But I'm really having a lot of trouble sleeping at night because 
I'm scared about the future, and I don't know what, how things are going to turn out. Or I've been the person who's sitting there and said, yeah, Tom, awesome. Let's, I, really, I really do. I, I want to help the orphans. I do. But I'm just not sure if I'm going to be able to pay my bills this month. I want you to know that I'm coming to you. I do, have, I, I do believe there's a vision for this church. I believe that, that the Spirit of God is moving. But I also know that your people, and, and I've, been, I've been where you've been, and I've been to... I've, I've experienced some, some dark, I've experienced some depression in my life, some anxiety, some fear. And I want you to know if that's where you are today, I've been there with you. And I want you to know, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, what I really need to hear, Tom, is that Jesus walks with me, God suffers with me. And even if things don't turn out okay, they're going to be okay. Maybe that's what you need to hear. Jesus walks with you. God suffers with you, and things are going to turn out to be okay. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you need. Maybe what you need is you need someone in, in the church to sit with you and just, and just be quiet with you and, and listen to where you're at. Maybe that's what you need. I don't know. I, I've needed that before. And this is what I can tell you. This, this, community, this community, one way that we're amazing about imitating the Lord Jesus Christ, one way that we live a Jesus kind of glory and the mission of God is we care about each other. This is a family. It really is. We take care of each other. Maybe what you need is you need someone to hang out with you and go see a movie and have fun. This church is going is to provide that for you. Maybe what you need is you need someone to lay hands on you and call out God's healing in your life and say, God, I know that you want healing for this person and I, physical or psychological, spiritual, emotional, whatever it is, if that's what you need, this church is going to give it to you. This church is going to provide that for you because this is a family, this is a community, and this is what we do really, really well. So yeah, April 15th, 2007, Coast Bible Church, where are we going? I think two things. Two things we're imitating Jesus. One, we're imitating his call to the community. We're imitating his care for the orphan, we're imitating his care for widows. We're gonna, that's where we're going to be. That's what we're doing. And two, we're caring about the forgotten and the broken people in our own community. And if you're one of those people, please, please speak to an elder, speak to Neil, and, and, and let this community carry you. Okay. Public speaking 101. Tell them where you're going. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them. Tell them what you told them. All right. God has chosen this community right here, Coast Bible Church. He has. We are, we are, we are a special community to God. He has chosen us, and he, he loves us. And because he loves us, he is active for us. And you and I know this. When, when we were in, in, in the depths of sin and despair, loss and fear, that was when we heard the news that Jesus came to deliver us. God chose this community. God delivered this community, called us to a new life, and we responded in trust. We said, God, if this is the kind of God you are, that you would do this for us, sending Jesus for us, then we'll follow. And we're going to go where you want to go. And when that happens in this community, God did what he always does, the way the universe works. He's given us a mission. And he says, look, coast, right over there. Do you see it? 
Those are all the orphans that you're going to take care of. That's the community that you're going to transform. That's the hope that you're going to bring to a world, an Orange County that is obsessed with money and comfort. And the people who are left out of that, you're going to pick up and you're going to carry. And he says, look, Post Bible Church, in your community, I know you have a lot of people who are suffering. And what you have always done, what you've consistently done, you are going to continue to do even more so. They're going to seek you out for peace and for comfort, and you're going to carry them. A Jesus kind of glory. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that you come and you give us purpose. That you have set before us a mission. We thank you that you've acted for us. Thank you that you chose us. We honor you. We praise you. And we look forward to being a part of your story. The story by which you are saving the world. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the community at Coast Bible Church. May we live in a way to possess the glory that you've set aside for us. In the name of Jesus, amen.